At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the NFL! Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own Rookie Rundown. It has been a hot minute, guys, but it's great to be in your ears and talking about the rookie class for the first time of 2023. That's right, we are going to be doing our first 2023 rookie season content, and it's going to be nice. I went through the report cards on my last episode. It covered pretty much everything for the entirety of the year, expectations, that type of thing. And now I will be diving into kind of bowl season. Um, I want to do a little bit of a preview. This is going to drop a little bit before the year six bowls. And at the end of the day, when you're talking about the bowl season in general, those are usually the only games that matter a lot of times, specifically when it comes to seniors. Um, just due to the fact that if you're not in a New Year's Six Bowl game, typically you're probably going to end up declaring and opting out of the game, which is the case with quite a few. There's actually two of these New Year's Six Bowl games that I'm referring to where I don't have any prospects of note that I really want to talk to you guys about today because they're all going into the NFL draft and aren't going to be playing in the game. Um, but I have the six New Year's Eve games that I'm going to be basically talking about the prospects that you should be paying attention to because I know most of you will be watching these games specifically. And then I'm going to throw in, on my own side, I'm going to be throwing in three separate bowl games that I think everyone should watch for specific players that I'm extremely interested in. Um, If there's any players that you want that I'm not going to name, obviously, odds are I'll cover them at some point throughout this offseason in my rookie content. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. Going into the watching season, this long weekend, again, that we're going to end up hitting um, going into New Year's Eve, obviously, where you guys can watch some games and hopefully learn about some prospects that you probably didn't know. There's a couple of guys that I'm very excited to and very close to that I've seen in a very regular basis um, in one of the games. So without further ado, we'll just hop right in a few programming notes. Obviously, I will be dropping more regular content now. Should be on a weekly schedule here until, gosh, Pretty much next, the start of next season now, you're going to be hearing me on a very regular basis. Um, my hiatus time is during the season, so get ready for that. I'll be covering the bowl game previews now. I'll be doing a national championship slash bowl game analysis of all the other games, basically, to talk about the prospects following it. And then I just start diving into positional groups and a long list of other things. Um, if you're not a patron, obviously, hop in there. You can find me now officially in Patreon League One, so I'm uh, in the old man league now. Even though I'm a young and a first timer in an actual Patreon league, which is wild considering I've been doing, you know, content for the <laughs> channel here for about two years now. But 
Um, yeah. So without further ado, let's just hop into the rookie content, guys. Uh, the first game, I'll get the first two out of the way, basically. The Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl for me are two games that I'm actually not even going to watch. Um, the Orange Bowl is Tennessee versus Clemson. And the Rose Bowl is Penn State versus Utah. Normally, I would be all over that. There was actually a couple prospects that I was very excited to see, both from Tennessee and from Tulane, uh, not Tulane, sorry, Tennessee and Penn State and Utah. Um, but all of them have opted out either due to injuries or the fear of injury and are officially NFL draft prospects for the 2023 class. Um, Tennessee versus Clemson in the Orange Bowl, specifically with Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, and Hayden Hooker all out of the game. It's a skip for me. Unless you're really a fan of Tenzin, uh, Tennessee or Clemson, I would recommend that you skip it as well. Um, obviously not going to tell you not to watch your favorite team's games, but it's going to be probably pretty ugly. Um, DJ Ulaylaile, however you want to say his first name, I do not know how to, was benched in the championship game for Clemson. He's not coming back for this. He's already in the transfer portal. It's going to be a, basically a bunch of nobodies because there was no really on the, nobody on the team of note on offense that really popped for Clemson this year. And then with Tennessee, you lost your two best receiving options on a pass-first team as well as your starting quarterback. Um, there's not a lot of optimism. That should kind of be a crappy game to be honest with you um it'll be uncomfortable <laughs> to watch that's why i'm avoiding it as for the rose bowl penn state versus utah that was already going to be a defensive type of game more often than not just based off of those two teams that are matched up but with parker washington for penn state not in the game and dalton kincaid dealing with an injury so he opted out as well it is also a skip for me unless you're a fan of one of penn state or utah now that we have those out of the way, I'll start diving into the other bowls that I'm interested in. Uh, first off on the docket for me is the Sugar Bowl. So this is a game that I, you know, it hits home to me. So for those of you that don't know, um, I am an Ohio State fan, but I'm actually a K-State alum here down in Kansas or up in Kansas if you're listening from down south. And this is a pretty exciting game for the Wildcats. It's been since the 2013 season with Colin Klein where we've been relevant to the fact that we're inside the top six on the ranking scale. We are in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, we won the Big 12 in a championship game against a team that actually is in the national playoff. We were not able to do that due to, again, one of the most BS games in all of the year that no one ever talks about the fact that we lost three quarterbacks in that TCU game. But I digress. Um, the exciting thing about this matchup for me is that Kansas State doesn't get a lot of airtime. There's a couple of prospects on Kansas State that you guys should be paying attention to in your rookie drafts and specifically going into the NFL next year because they're probably going to go higher than you realize. And they're names that unless you're a diehard college football fan, you probably don't hear a lot because they're in the Big 12. <clears throat> the first of those stars is Deuce Vaughn. Um, Deuce Vaughn is basically Darren Sproles incarnate with everything that Darren Sproles was doing, but his numbers are actually better, which is if you, you know anything about K-State is like a blasphemous thing to say. Um, but he is a monster. He's lightning in a bottle and one of the most technically sound running backs in the class to boot. So he basically his vision's insane. He's able to get so much off of his runs that a lot of running backs would not be able to. He's twitched up and insane physically when it comes to his athleticism in this draft. Uh, he breaks tackles, he breaks ankles in his shiftiness, and he breaks extremely long touchdown runs because his long speed is up there with anyone in the class regardless of position. The only issue is that he's probably going to come in at around 180 to 185 pounds, and that's where he's going to sit. You can't really add much more weight onto him, and because of that, he's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But I'm telling you right now, if he goes to an offense specifically, um, everyone likes to say it, but a team that likes smaller weapons that knows how to use them in 
Kansas City, uh, you're going to see just what he can do on a national stage. That's like the dream scenario, obviously, that I'm in Kansas, but it's going to be very very much a team-specific situation when it comes to Deuce Vaughn, just due to the fact that a lot of teams aren't going to have him on the draft board just due to the fact of his size. So it'll be very intriguing to see where he goes. But my comp, I'm going to give you just my realistic comp for all these players that I have right now. Without diving super far into tape, I've watched basically half of the tape allotted on all of these guys. Um, I see a lot of Jarek McKinnon, so he makes a lot of sense being a guy that's almost 10 years younger than Jarek McKinnon is coming in, immediately replacing him in that offense and doing exactly what we've all experienced a healthy Jarek McKinnon doing for the last two years for the Chiefs. The second player on the K-State Wildcats that I'm interested in is Malik Knowles. Um, So a name probably no one knows outside of K-State fans is Malik Knowles. Uh, He's one of the most frustrating players you'll ever watch in your life because there's been plenty of Big 12 teams where he's been absolutely a backbreaker for and just destroyed them on an extremely long catch that he mossed three guys and got spun around like a helicopter on, but he's incapable of catching a slant ball. Um, He is some of the most inconsistent hands you'll see, and it has gotten quite a bit better this senior year for him, but it's not something that I'm super optimistic can stick because he finally found a quarterback that, you know, was really competent this year for us. Um, So he's a guy where he has the frame and speed to stick in the league, but I want to see it against a top-tier defense like Alabama before I start to get a little bit more interested in over my own hesitancies. But he's a fun watch, and he's a guy that really can just break down a lot of defenses because of his inconsistency, but his insane speed and actual size. My comp is between two players right now. I'm on that um, Marquez Callaway slash Tyrell Williams type of train. Um, Marquez doesn't quite have the speed that Tyrell does, but I think both of them have shown over their career that they can make those big splash plays. It's just the consistency that will always be the issue for that type of player. Um, He has to show that he can be a number two wide receiver on a team for him to be anything outside of that range, which I'm not convinced he can be, but is a player that I'm very intrigued to watch. Uh, The player on the Alabama side, and the only one that I really want to watch, is a guy that I do not think highly of personally, and I'm in the outlier group of this year's, uh, you know, dynasty analyst, I think more often than not. It's Mr. Jameer Gibbs, the running back, transfer out of Georgia Tech now in Alabama. Again, an RB that I don't like very much. He's talented, but streaky. And it took a move to an all-star offensive line like Alabama to really make him relevant outside of Debbie spaces this year. And that's something that always concerns me. You guys know I don't like projections. I'm not huge on one-hit wonders, and that's basically what he is to me. He's also small. Um, People like to think that he's an average size running back. He's about the exact same size as James Cook was last year, which concerned the hell out of a lot of people. And it's not a bad comp for him play style wise. But the guy that I actually comp him to is a guy like Darrington Evans coming out. He's somebody that I see on a pretty... Pretty regular consistency in college that showed you what you needed to, but then had what I think is going to be the inverse of the career of Jameer Gibbs, where Jameer, you haven't really seen it. You might see at least a little bit of production here in the NFL, but I don't think he's going to be worth the draft stock that people are going to be taking a early to mid first round pick on on a guy like Jameer Gibbs. So that's an avoid, but my comp for him is Darrington Evans. Um, I'm going to get probably just roasted by some of you in my DMs. 
Moving on from the Sugar Bowl, um, some players in the Cotton Bowl I am interested in. This one's actually a pretty interesting one. So it's two running backs, one for Tulane and one for USC. Um, those are the two teams playing in the Cotton Bowl. I know those of you <laughs> probably hearing the name Tulane pop out of my mouth are like, wait, Tulane's in the New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, they, they were good. It was actually one of the two losses that K-State had this year was to Tulane. And they're very consistent and the player that their entire offense runs around is Ty J Spears. He's one of the, one of the hidden gems. Um, he would be my guide personally that I, I have in that who's going to be the next James Robinson, who's going to be the next, you know, uh, Elijah Mitchell, that guy that's going to come in out of those late rounds or that undrafted capability. He's going to make a team and he's going to do something. And he is, he has the capability to go decently high in that same range of all those other running backs in this year's class that I'll dive into. Um, he's higher in my rankings than a, a lot of people that I've talked to right now. But the reason I like him, he's prototypical RB size. He has some of the most instinctual runs you'll ever see. His He does this thing with his feet. Um, they are never not moving, which is what you want to hear typically with a running back. But it's like this weird stutter step thing where he's constantly rocking. But because he's stutter stepping the entire time, he is always getting like infinitely like minusculely closer to the hole and it makes so much of a difference busting through the hole for him where I, I just don't know how he does it. I'm, I'm not like an expert when it comes to, um, you know, running back game, but from watching tape, it's one of the most unique running styles I've seen since I've started really diving into about five years ago. And he's a guy I'm very intrigued about. Um, he has the speed that he's shown on tape as well to burn past power five defensive players, which is what I love to see when you come from a small school like Tulane. But again, he plays at Tulane. So you're going to have to take that as you will based off of your own preferences for players. Uh, my comp, he reminds me a lot of Kylan Hill coming out of college, but he is a lot faster, which is saying something because Kylan Phil. Kylan Hill was pretty fast coming out. I think he's still going to be faster when he tests and he doesn't have the catastrophic knee injury coming out as well. Um, I think he realistically could go where Kylan Hill probably was supposed to go in that early third to late third. I just really think the third round is probably realistic. And he's a guy that I like. Um, I don't have a lot of comps because I said, like I said, his running style is very unique, but that's kind of where I get that vibe from him because I still watch Kylan Hill in practice and in uh, preseason games and stuff like that for the Packers. I'm like, oh God, he could be so good if he just got more of traction. So that's where I'm at with him. Uh, the other player on the other side is another running back as well. It's actually Travis Dye. He's a guy that I always thought would be better than what he has been thus far in his career, both now at USC and at Oregon, but he has been the Trojans workhorse this year, so I have to give him the credit and benefit of the doubt. And he is on the smaller size, but it's a compact size, and he has a strong frame to actually, he can even add a little bit more weight if he wants to, but he actually is a pretty good runner. He just doesn't have that physicality. He's a good pass catcher. Um, he's just middle of the road, and I think CEH would be my comp for him right now. Um, that's who he reminds me of a lot, and realistically, we're kind of seeing what CEH should have been drafted as now. <clears throat> going on to the Fiesta Bowl, this is one where it is the all TCU side of things for me. Michigan doesn't have a lot of prospects in general outside of running backs with Blake Corum being injured and not being in the game. I'm not interested at all on that side of the ball. So you're looking basically at the big three for the TCU team in a similar way of what we used to look at the big three with the Dallas Cowboys. You have the quarterback, Max Dugan. 
the running back Kendra Miller and the wide receiver Quentin Johnson. Um, the one name on that list that you're probably more familiar with than most is Quentin Johnson. He's the big man that's good in space and has speed for days. Um, I classify him more of as flashy rather than elite with the ball in his hands. I don't think he's like a Debo-esque runner where you're going to get that, but he does have the capability to, you know, weave in and out. Um, I would put it on the same par of the ball in his hands of a guy kind of like Sterling Shepard, just very good with the hands, kind of like maybe a Doug Baldwin for those of you that are a little bit older. Um, That's where I kind of classify him as when he has the ball in his hands, but he needs to lock down those hands for me. Um, to truly become the best version of himself. I see a lot in a similar vein to what I said with the big three um, going to the same well in Dallas. I see a lot of Des Bryant to him. Um, I just really do. And some people, I mean, will hate that comp or they'll love that comp. Um, But I just think middle of the road average season for Des Bryant might be what you get with him. Um, People may say that that touchdown upside isn't there for him like it was for Des because it's a different game. But at the end of the day, he's just as physically daunting as a guy like Des Bryant was, and he's going to add a little bit more weight and probably not lose a lot of speed at all because he's got enough basically frame to put it on there. Um, He's a fun prospect. I'm just not goo goo gaga over him as the wide receiver one like a lot of people are. Um, And that's just due to uh, he's got some inconsistencies in his game. He's not the biggest guy he's uh, like he's not like elite elite big he's not like six five or six six he's gonna be an outside wide receiver for a team i'm just very hesitant of getting my outside wide receiver x wide receiver from a big 12 team and i feel like we see it year in year out and it's not a fallacy that i'm willing to push typically um the quarterback that he was throwing him the ball is an all-around threat max dugan um be really fun to see him succeed in the nfl but he needs to work on his processing speed Um, because he relies on his legs way too much. He's great at feeling pressure, but he's not great at diagnosing that it's coming. And so it's a lot of catch up. Um, I think those legs that he uses to escape though, can be a massive asset in the NFL. And I honestly, when I say this, don't think that we've seen anyone with what I would call like the escapability aspect of his game in the pocket since a Johnny Menzel. Um, my comp to him right now, because he's not Manziel, he's he's a guy that is a little bit bigger. He's got a good head on his shoulder, and he is a very good thrower of the ball. He's given the option. He can just break the game open, and he relies too much on his legs. It's an old Ohio State quarterback by the name of JT Barrett. Um, for those of you that are familiar with him, that's kind of where I see him. He, he could be good. He may have to do a position change, may end up as a tight end in the near future in the NFL, um, a la like a Logan Thomas, but he, he's an athletic freak. Um, he, he's good. He's very good. I, I mean, I watched him just carve up the Big 12 this year, and he deserves all the praise and all the lauds and accolades that got him into the Heisman voting competition this year. Um, the third person out of this trio for me is Kendra Miller. He's a speed demon, but he has the size to make it worth it in this class, which is so, so nice to see. Um, shifty, physical, never gives up on plays, has great hands. It can be a three-down weapon. It's just whether or not a team is going to give him those options. He's sitting right around 215. I think he should stay at 215, but he is an extremely physical runner. So some teams may want to add a little bit of weight and use him in a different way. Um, but he... He also, you have to take into account the one big year that he's had here with TCU. It's on a team that is notorious for running the ball like 500 to 600 times a year. And so him getting those 300 carries that he got this year and the 1500 yards or whatever, it may seem kind of like it's leaning into TCU's MO because we've seen so many running backs do it. But 
Zach Evans didn't even hit the numbers that Kendra Miller did. He basically doubled what Zach uh, Evans was able to do at TCU. So he's a guy that I'm watching out for. I think that in the same vein, he's not going to be the top running back picked. He's probably going to be the fourth or fifth one in the class selected in the same vein as an Aaron Jones was. And that's who I have him comped as. I think he could be Aaron Jones very, very easily in the NFL. And that's the comp I think I'm probably going to be sticking with this entire draft cycle. Going on to the last of the New Year's Six Bowls, I'm looking at the Peach Bowl. You have Ohio State versus Georgia, and this is a <clears throat> interesting matchup. Um, I won't dive super into the Ohio State side. I'll just say a quick piece on C.J. Stroud. He's pretty much following in the footsteps of every quarterback that has come out of Ohio State in the Debbie field that Debbie watchers, Debbie players have loved all the way up until the exact moment that's time for their team, their NFL team that they follow to draft them. For some reason, there's this weird stigma and weird thing that happens where everyone basically, for lack of better phrasing, jerks off Ohio State players throughout the year with their talent, their skill, their ability, the surrounding talent around them, propping them up. And then the second that you get to draft time, everyone's like, oh, I don't know about that guy. Oh, he went to Ohio State. Oh, maybe it was the system. Mm, maybe it was the surrounding talent. You just have to keep going with the talent guys is my argument on this um he's a big bodied mobile quarterback who can make every throw in the book but has some issues with ball placement specifically when on the move which is concerning for me when you're a mobile quarterback um, it's something that's harder to dial in because it's not something like a mechanics thing you just kind of have to have a feel for it or not have a feel for it and that's the one part of his game that kind of concerns me uh, he in my opinion should be a locked and loaded player that landing spot will determine a lot whether or not you see that early regression like we saw with Justin Fields or early prospering like we saw with Joe Burrow. My comp for CJ Stroud is Donovan McNabb. Um, I think they have the same skill set and the same issues that Donovan had throughout his career is probably what we're going to see with CJ Stroud. But the dynamism is there. The arm strength is there. The head on his shoulders is there. He just has to have a good attitude about it and find a good situation, which is the issue with all the quarterbacks. <clears throat> Mine Williams, just going to keep it very flush. My comp for him immediately is Michael Turner. He's a bowling ball. He's a little guy. He's extremely physical, um, but he is a good running back, and he has all the athletic traits to really fit into the NFL. It's just running back so hard to project, and without him being the true lead back in this system for an entire year, it's hard to do. There's a lot of people that say he should go back next year. I'm in the camp that says he shouldn't go back next year because he's just going to be in another timeshare with Henderson, who's the better back out of the two. I think he should capitalize on this late season ability to show his talents to the NFL and then go out as a true junior and make his way in the the only player on the Georgia side that I'm interested in in this game is Darnell Washington. I just want to see if he can do anything on a national stage against someone that matters because this dude is just like the most hyped up person in our Debbie sphere for not really doing anything in college ever. Um, he's a big bodied projection player at tight end and everyone knows how little I like projection players specifically at the tight end, but that's kind of what you have to do. He has all the physical traits and size you could want. He's a literal giant, like a moving billboard. And that's why I'm a comp has been basically since last year and will be for all eternity mo alley cox i think the peak that we've seen from mo alley cox is about the peak you can hope to get from darnell washington but i'm very open to being proven wrong going into the next bowl these are these next three bowl games that i want to talk about um kind of quicker hitters but they're games that i think everyone should be watching uh the first one is the sun bowl it is going to be ucla versus pitt and that is going to be Friday the 30th at 1 p.m. CST. Um, you may not get to watch it, but you should definitely watch the highlights, if nothing else. Um, it has two players from UCLA that are on my all 
man crush team basically going into this draft cycle, and that is Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback for UCLA, and Zach Charbonnet, the running back. Um, I will be a little bit less long-winded on these two because I've talked about them a lot. For Charbonnet, the running back, he's a big-bodied running back with everything that you could want, in my opinion. The only lacking that he basically has is he doesn't have that 4-3 speed. He's probably going to be high 4-4s to low 4-5s, and I'm completely okay with that. My comp for him is Jamal Williams, because I think that's a pretty accurate comp and what you could see in the NFL. Um, but I think he does have some of the traits that we lauded Javante for having. He's His balance is absolutely nuts, guys, and I just can't undersell that at all. But I love this dude. He's my man's at the running back position this year, and I'm very excited to see where he goes. Uh, DTR is easily one of the most captivating players in the draft for me. Uh, the quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, everyone knows him as DTR if you follow closely to college football, but uh, he's a quick twitch athlete. He's, in the words of Donald Davidson, a specimen, and that is accurate. Um, he's got the arm to boot, size, speed, skill set wise. He's very similar to what we have in Lamar Jackson, like body type wise. He's pretty much a clone. Um, he is a much better throw of the ball, though, than what basically his comparison and benchmark is in this draft in Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Anthony has about 10 pounds on him, but that's about all. All of the stats, all of the rushing metrics are better for a guy like DTR than they have been for Richardson. And I just laugh anytime someone says that Richardson should be a first round quarterback because you can get the exact same thing in the second round in DTR and probably end up with a better prospect. Um, he's going to be a better prospect in my opinion in the NFL and right now than even remotely what Malik Willis was last year. So I, I mean, you guys know I hated Malik Willis last year, but he's incredibly good compared to Malik Willis. And he's probably going to be a better prospect coming in than what Willis is even now after a year in the NFL. I like him a lot and he continues to impress me. Like I said, um, everything other than his mentality uh, at times, um, he, he's a little, little chatchy, but, uh, that's just it. He just needs to continue to impress and have the right work ethic to really advance. Uh, my comp for him, I see a lot of Ryan Tannehill in him. Um, I think he has the throwing chops for Ryan Tannehill. His mechanics need to be, get worked on just a little bit, but that athleticism, that explosiveness, that usability in the run game and on the move, throwing the ball specifically is where he's going to shine. And then a player I love this year that I recently found probably about two months ago that I have been watching tape slowly on and watching more. Um, it's hard to get on him due to the team that he plays on on Pitt, but Israel Abanaconda. All right. He's the running back for Pitt. He's going to come out this year because, and I low key hope he doesn't. I low key hope he goes back so he can put more reps underneath his belt and get another year like what he just had on his resume, but he won't. And he honestly shouldn't from a monetary standpoint. There's a lot a lot of guys in the space right now that have started talking him up, and he was the only bright spot on the team this year screaming for offensive help. Everyone knew that they were going to run the ball. Everyone knew that they were, could only run the ball, but it didn't matter because he's so physical and so fast at his size of 225, 5'10", and he's an absolute menace in the passing game. Um, absolutely respectable frame. Like I said, he reminds me a lot of Dalvin Cook coming out, but my comp for him is actually Antonio Gibson. And it's because of his straight line speed is like nuts. Um, if he gets an open space and he's used how we were hoping Antonio Gibson was going to be used, he's the three down back or the third down back that we've been hoping for the last couple of years. Um, he, he's a specimen. Seriously, Israel Abedakanda, um, if you're going to watch one player in the UCLA versus Pitt Bull game, that would probably be my 
recommendation because you're going to hear a lot more about DTR and Charbonnet through this draft cycle. He's a guy that the tape doesn't lie for him. He is a very good running back. Um, two quick hitter bowl games. Um, we have the Cheez-It Bowl, which is Oklahoma versus FSU. That's on Thursday at 3.30 Central Time. Um, two players, both on Oklahoma, I'm interested in, Marvin Mims and Eric Gray. I have dove a little bit onto um, Marvin Mims previously on the Dynasty War Games episode with the boys a couple weekends ago. Uh, but Marvin Mims is basically a locked and loaded Jabison Crowder clone for me. I think he could be the exact same role in the NFL and very explosive. He's going to find a niche and he's going to stick there. Whether or not he gets targeted heavily, as it is the case with every wide receiver, is going to dictate how successful he is at the next level. But I think he's being extremely slept on in this year's draft. And then Eric Gray, I see him immediately as Devonta Freeman. He's probably the most violent running back in this NFL class, which is pretty funny because there's a lot of heavy hitters that are here. But he's in a small package. Um, Eric Gray is a guy in the Debbie space that we've all been just hoping was going to have an amazing year. This is the first year he's broken a thousand yards, but it was only about 1100. His efficiency metrics aren't the greatest and he's not really going to be used heavily in the passing game. Um, but he is just a physical, physical running back. Um, and he's a tight package, like I said, so he's a grinder on a team like Atlanta again, now underneath Arthur Smith, this could be a guy that could be a steal for them very late in the NFL draft, like in the fifth or sixth round, realistically that could come in and start from day one next year. Looking at the Texas Bowl, that is Ole Miss versus Texas Tech. That is actually Wednesday night, so I think this is going to be dropping on a Wednesday, so that'll be tonight. Hopefully you're listening to it. Um, that is at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Two people both on Ole Miss, um, Zach Evans, the running back, and Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver. For Jonathan Mingo, he's kind of a bigger-bodied wide receiver with an all-around skill set, nothing flashy. He's not going to wow you with his speed, not going to wow you with his acumen, but he always catches the ball. The guy that that reminds me of that I just over the years in fantasy and over the years watching the Colts, Zach Pascal reminds me so much of Zach Pascal, um, just the way that he's able to find little niche holes in space, specifically in zone coverage and catch the ball. He's an underrated prospect that I think will go onto a team, stick onto a team and be pretty successful for them as a wide receiver three or wide receiver four. Um, he's a guy I'm interested to see how he does against, you know, an okay defense to see if he can really light them up with the quarterback that they have right now. And then Zach Evans, this is kind of the redemption tour on national stage. He was a guy that was pretty much locked and loaded as RB two going into this season in college football. Um, but he hasn't really done exactly what you wanted him to do. He's looked a little bit slower than he has the last couple of years. I personally think it's because of an underlying injury, but the speed doesn't quite look like it's there and his decision-making has been a little bit worse. But then again, that's also Ole Miss's offensive line versus Texas, Texas offensive line. Um, he did improve his numbers slightly from what he did at Texas Tech last year, but nothing to blow you out of the water. Uh, my comp for him, due to the fact that he's dealing with kind of a sketchy offensive line, and I've seen the skills before, just not with any of the production to really launch out and wow me, um, Cam Akers. I, I think that Cam Akers' senior year tape, or sorry, junior year tape at Florida State was very reminiscent of Zach Evans' sophomore year tape at Texas Tech, and it's something that's very exciting. I just need him to stay healthy and need him to find a good landing spot personally. But he's a guy I'm going to be watching closely tomorrow night in that Texas Tech game, and I'm very excited to see how it pans out. But that is kind of the bowl preview, guys. It's a good uh, good way to dip your toes into the water of the fantasy content early on and kind of get, get some names that aren't going to be beat into your head for the next months is what I wanted to start you out with, just so you can kind of get a head start on some of these guys that I'm going to be talking a little bit more in depth over the next couple months. 
Um, as you know, I don't like to focus on the guys that everyone else is focusing on. You don't need me to tell you for the 5,000th time that Bijan Robinson is a locked and loaded prospect and that Bryce Young is going to go 101 in any draft that you're in. Um, it just needs to be about players that are actually going to fill out your roster because ultimately that's what everything outside of the first six to seven picks typically is in an NFL fantasy dynasty draft. So without further ado, as always, I'm your host, Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at salad galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with a double L galore. And until next week, guys, this has been the DWZ's rookie rundown. It's been a blast and I'm excited to knock out some rookies with you. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak